And welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined again by Tom Timmerman, a beat reporter for the Blues. You can't get rid of me. We cannot, mm-hmm. and he's back from mm-hmm. uh, New York City. Uh, Jim Thomas went out to cover the game in Anaheim, and uh, I, I have to ask, uh, you know, we, last time we were on, we were talking about your potential uh, meal choices. I was wondering if you are going to get that big pastrami sandwich, and I, I think you have a disappointing answer for me. The answer is no, I did not get to have a big pastrami uh, sandwich. I wanted to have a big pastrami sandwich, but... The uh, the you know the the meals the times I went out and the places I was there there actually was within the immediate vicinity among the fifteen restaurants immediately near the uh, uh, hotel there was not a a deli uh, to go to for uh, for that so but the original Shake Shack was directly across the street all right yeah a long line so. of people probably. Uh... Depending, uh, uh, depending on the time of day, yes, right. there were there was there was a good line there, but uh, no, I didn't. Uh, but I got a deep dish pizza when I was in Chicago. All right, so he's back. From, Tom's back from the road, and unfortunately, uh, just a crazy time for the Blues. They have a little bit of a, an offensive downturn. Uh, had to play back to back games, and then go out to Anaheim for the makeup game. And I, I guess we'll start with that. It's a um, they, the guys talked about it a bit uh, that you could that you could get to the players, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Mm-hmm. It just it's got to be an odd thing to go back out and play again in Anaheim. The scene of uh, on February 11th, Jay Bo Meester's cardiac episode. It all worked out well for Jay Bo. He's he's recovering, um, but it was such a scary, scary time. And, and now they got to go play hockey. Yeah, and they're going to sit on the bench where they where they were. I mean, last time they were there, you know, Colton Pareko was you know ripping part of the bench away so they'd have more room to work on Bo Meester. You know, and now they're going to be sitting on you know that bench where they were. So that's that. Uh, you know, they will get into the game and the game will be played and it'll be hockey, but whether it's pregame warmups, whether it's when they you know, are sitting there while the anthem's being sung or standing there while the anthem's being sung, but sitting afterwards that they will, their minds will have to go to that. I mean, they would not be human if they didn't. So, uh, that's going to be there. Um, but it's, it's going to be a weird game. It's going to be weird for Anaheim too. I mean, it, you know, it's probably going to be played in front of a very, very sparse attendance, uh, in Anaheim, they had not much of a crowd last night for a regularly scheduled game, so um, it'll be different uh, all around. But it's a it's a tough one for them. I mean, to fly four hours to the West Coast for one game uh, amid everything coming off of back to backs, uh, and then with you know a game coming up on uh, on Friday, it's it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of way, long way to go, but it's a very unusual circumstance too. Well, and a little more about the the game before we talk about the bigger challenge facing the NHL. But uh, the Ducks just played a pretty good game last night. Of course, you're playing Ottawa, so you, you know they were actually outshot in the game, but they managed every chance they could to score on a the goaltender who apparently was not an emergency goaltender and might not even get a job as an emergency goaltender mm-hmm. based on his performance. But they're, they're going a little bit. Ricard Raquel and uh, Silverberg uh, playing well together and Adam Henrique and David Backus, uh, old friend David Backus, getting some ice time for the, for the Duck. And so they're, not, they're playing for nothing. They're just, you know, they're, they're 11 points out of the wild card. The Blues are obviously still trying to play for that top seed in the conference. So, you know, just all the way around, a potentially odd setting with a low, low turnout, a team that's, playing out the string, but some young guys trying to make a point. The Blues tired, but trying to get those points, playing the same day uh, Colorado plays. It's Craig Berube has his hands full. He does. He does. I mean, and you got to get the offense going because that has been the, the, the problem in recent games. They just, you know, the forwards, you know, aren't, aren't getting the shots. They're not getting the chances they need. 
Uh, the you know the fact that Perron, Shannon, Schwartz had only one shot on goal total in the last game, not not a good uh, not a good number, not what you want to see. So they've you know they've seen they've had dips before. They have come out of dips. Um, so it's probably not a long term permanent you know uh, situation. But right now, where every point matters, where Colorado is two points back and has the tiebreaker. Uh, they've got to keep that distance, and they've got to keep winning. Interesting challenge for the Blues. The the good news is they've got a lot of guys who can play. They've got a lot of ways they can combine their lines. They've they've got the depth that most teams would would admire, if not all teams. On the other hand, they don't have a guy that can simply say, you know what, we need to score here, so I'm going to go score. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's a Drysital, whether it's McDavid. Um, uh, explosive type players, uh, or no, Alex Ovechkin, who can just keep hammering pucks through and, and mm-hmm. finally score. They don't have that guy. They have no. a lot of guys, but they don't have that guy who can just say, you know what, we better score here and then go out and do it. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a team of 20 goal scorers, not a team of 30 goal scorers, especially with Tarasenko out. They did, they, they have a lot, they, they have more, you know, good guys who can get the job done than most other teams, but they don't have, yeah, the great guy who's going to go out there and, and you could count on for a goal every night. Now, they won't have 91 for the Ducks game, but by putting Troy Brower on waivers, giving him fair notice that it could be time for him to get a little rust scraping mm-hmm. uh, done and for the with the rampage in the AHL for the time being, um, it would seem that it was a good signal that uh, Tarasenko will return in the near term. He's been skating. He's been banging around a little bit. I guess that will ramp up with the team coming back home. And but it's going to take him some time. You know, this is going to be a process. Doug Armstrong wanted to have him get a lot of games in. Um, if they keep playing games, uh, he's going to get some games in. It looks like. It looks that way. Uh, there, there's no reason to make that Brower move, other than to create the spot, the roster spot, the salary cap space they need for Tarasenko. So, uh, could we see him Friday? All signs would point to that. You know, the Blues want him want Tarasenko to get contact in practice. Obviously, the Blues aren't practicing right now with all the schedule. He did not make the trip to Anaheim. He is probably, maybe even as we record this, is out at Centene, maybe getting banged around by somebody. Who knows? Um, so that's what uh, needs to happen. You know, uh, Ruby told us over the weekend in New Jersey, fitness-wise, he's great. He is ready to go from that. And what they need to, you know, is have the shoulder be 100%. And then Tarasenko has to feel confident with that, that he's not going to be afraid to go into a corner, go, you know, have a puck battle along the wall. And how's that going to, you know, how's he going to react to that? So he has to be prepared for that. So it's as much a mental thing for him of getting hit and knowing that he can go into games and do that. Now, do you think they, uh, they said, hey, uh, you called up Jamie Rivers and Cam Jansen, some of the guys, and said, hey, uh, if, you're not, if you're not busy, we're going to get a bunch of guys over to the practice facility. So you just, we don't want it to hurt 91. We want to kind of have them jostle a bit. Mm-hmm. But get the guys, go to the, get the, get your gear, get the alumni out there and just kind of, you know. I, I, I could see Jamie being out there doing that. Yeah. I, that, would not, that would not surprise me in the least. No. So it would be, uh, they got guys, you know, put them to work. I mean, they're, they're still hanging around. A lot of these guys still play a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, if Terrell Zico got very minimal contact in Chicago on Saturday. He went into some drills that are more than just the skating he has done. And uh, Carl Gunnarsson kind of gave him a, a slight tap in the back at one point. Uh, nothing terribly hard, but it was really one of the first times I'd seen anybody make contact with him uh, in a drill, you know, in 
since he got hurt. So, yeah, there's work to do there. This will be something that gives Blues fans one more thing to fret about uh, his return. But, you know, theoretically, it, it does create a lot of interesting uh, dynamic. You know, for the time being, uh, Craig has liked Mackenzie McCarkin back in the mix because he's a robust player. Uh, will mix it up and certainly has uh, made that part of his game well felt here recently. Um, but, you know, again, I'll keep pushing for Jordan Cairo. And if you put 91 in there and you put Cairo in there, now you've got a lot of guys yeah. <laughs> who could conceivably, you know, do things. And a guy like Sammy Blay, he's going to have to be more physical if he wants to stay in the mix. Sammy Blay had no hits in the, in, in the last game. He had eight in the Chicago game. And then he came back and had none. Well, it, uh, just to speak for a moment about the Panthers game, I know there was a lot of there was a lot of frustration from Blues fans, but I, I will give the Panthers credit. They're they've been an uneven team this year, to say the least. They played a little more like Joel Quinville hockey in that game. They were doing a good job blocking shots. Uh, they got a guy who's been around since. 2014 or whatever, 2013 is in goal. Who's finally getting a chance to play some games? Mm-hmm. He had never started a game before this year. Three mop up assignments along the way. He played really well, and mm-hmm. you're uh, you know, and you're just you know back to back games. A team desperate to make the playoffs actually played the way Joel wanted him to play, and the goaltender seizing the opportunity. I mean, it was just sort of a perfect storm in a sense for the Blues. Yeah, you know, goalies like that are kind of like the the. Cardinals and uh, left-handed left-handed pitchers making their big league debut that the Cardinals can never figure out how to hit. You throw in a goalie that uh, you know has never played before or has hardly ever played, and all of a sudden the Blues are like, oh my goodness, it's it's uh, Patrick Waugh, it's Ken Dryden yeah. out there. They make them all look great. Well, how about um, that glove save? You know, Steen thought he slipped that puck yeah. inside the post. No, no, yeah. no. no he, I, I'm there. Yeah. A little more oomph on that one might have uh, true. You know. You know there's just the sheer momentum of it might have gotten it in, but yeah, but no, it's still an exceptional save by anyone. That standard. was more like a curling shot, whatever they call that, where the stone has to come spinning in and then <laughs> settle into a certain you know place as they play Canadian shuffleboard. Uh-uh. Uh, but so now the bigger question for Tom Timmerman in the post dispatch here on the net front: um, <laughs> We've seen the first impact of the virus, which is a very serious virus for our country. San Jose is uh, confronted with a situation where they apparently can't can't play in front of fans anymore, at least not more than 1,000. Media access has been restricted. Tom, I I would be surprised if we finished the season in any normal fashion. We may – I would not be surprised if they suspended play at some point and wrote out the virus, see what happens, and then decide what to do about – maybe the playoffs later. I, I will not be surprised. This league depends on attendance to pay the bills. You can't pay the players if you, if you can't have paid attendance. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, we got, you get a sense from talking to people or any instincts that this, this kind of thing could happen. I, I, um, I think, uh, I, I think the decisions are going to be put off on other people as much as possible that the, that teams are not going to, say we're going to play in front of an empty house until they are told to by other entities. Uh, I ex- I fully expect at this point in time that we're going to see games that are going to be played in front of empty houses. I, I don't. I think that's almost unavoidable. The trend is moving that way. I, I don't know what the logistical uh, simplicity would be of suspending the season and pushing everything back two weeks, how that works for TV and buildings and other commitments that places have. I, I don't know how that's going to work. And that's going to be the tricky part, 
is if you if they said you know stop for two weeks and and then resume, yeah, how does that you know buildings have have other things signed up? Um, it's a mess. It it is it is a mess, which is why as much as it would hurt the pocketbook, they may just have to say we're gonna we're gonna play we're just going to play in an empty building because well, that keeps things going yeah unfortunately the tv revenue in the nhl is so paltry compared mm-hmm. to other leagues that you'd be inflicting a massive loss financial loss on each team so what do you do mm-hmm. the, can the players association say well our guys are gonna have to take less money mm-hmm. um how do you i mean th- think about the complexities here because you're right i think right now we're looking at a situation where people outside of the league will be making the decision governmental mm-hmm. agencies are making decisions we're seeing tournaments mm-hmm. played in a, and it's one thing to play uh, a, a college tournament in an empty arena a minor college tournament mm-hmm. what do you do with the ncaa tournament that's supposed to have a regional here in st louis mm-hmm. can you reasonably do this is a billion dollar industry mm-hmm. yeah and tv drives it and i suppose mm-hmm. they'll play for tv's sake college basketball but the nhl you you cannot live without gate the gate revenue yeah. you can't so yeah, yeah, I mean, we are we are heading towards some interesting times. Well, and and I mean, obviously, this is secondary to the the health risk. But yeah, I mean, does it affect the salary cap? You know, if if a, if there's a significant loss of revenue, oh, yeah. you know, is the cap lower? What does that do to to the players and teams if that's the if that's the case? If you run into a situation where you all of a sudden you're going to go down this road without people going to games, and then you got to try to play the playoffs, which are a real money maker for mm-hmm. teams. Now you're probably talking about an industry taking maybe a 15, 20% hit in revenue. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with that? Who, how do you absorb all of that? Mm-hmm. And it's, these are things that if you're Gary Bettman, now you're making your money. Cause you're sitting there thinking, okay, something, I can't do anything until we find out how this plays, but I think we all know how it's going to play. So boy, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be intense. Yeah. But you know, the 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 other question is if you take the if you take the hit now if you say we're going to have two weeks of no crowds but then you can start having crowds again by the time the playoffs start or or do you say well we're going to hold off until and maybe right. see if we can get through it but then it, you have to do it when the playoffs begin I mean it's going to be just see what happens in the country right yeah and so it's going to be a question of which way you know do you, do you, are you being proactive or are you, are you hoping you can get through it how there's just so many variables, and it's it's such a, an unusual situation. And you you look back in NHL history, and, and you see the you know the Stanley Cup that was canceled because of the the Spanish flu, and that all you know that always seemed to me as this strange anachronism of something. Boy, they had to cancel the postseason because of the flu, and it, that could never happen nowadays. And yeah. and now all of a sudden we're we're dealing with that. It's a very real situation are the players starting to get bothered by this i mean you all of a sudden your 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 access to players is is pretty much gone except you know for podium work so you don't have a chance to chit chat with the guys like you normally would mm-hmm. uh which is a real loss because that's where you really get a sense of the team and and what's happening and and you can you know you build your relationships and all those things mm-hmm. so right now all that's out the door you know you're getting the uh, you're getting careful exposure to the to the players and no mm-hmm. uh but what can you sense anything yet because i mean they're suddenly they've got to be thinking about all these things too you know, from when I saw them on the on this road trip, um, one of the things that was happening on the road trip is there's usually autograph seekers waiting outside the team hotel uh, as the players walk to the bus. And, uh, you know, the the in this case, they were being kept 
20, 25 feet away. Mm-hmm. The players were, were great with that. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and, and the fact they're being, you know, you know, the, the, they're being told, you know, don't sign those autographs. Don't go over there. Don't interact. Oh, I got my cover. Got yeah. My and so they're, you know, they're delighted by that situation um, because you don't have to feel like a bad guy forever for, for ignoring these people. Um, I, you know, I don't know that the players have this tremendous fear of, uh, you know, that, that I'm going to inflict one of them with the coronavirus or that, uh, you know, says, I, don't, I don't think that's a concern uh, for them. Uh, at least I didn't sense that uh, on this last road trip. Um, you know, if and not to speak for the group as a whole, you know, they're probably like, "Hey, if I have to do fewer interviews, that, that's good." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Well, a few guys will miss talking to you guys. Yeah, and... yeah. I mean, Troy Brower will be will be sad. Carl Gunnarsson will will wonder why no one's talking to him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, and I mean, you know, in the the uh, dynamics of, of the virus. I mean, they're, they're not the ones who are at risk. They may get it, but they're not going to have, um, you know, ill effects from it in most cases. So I, I don't suspect it's a, it's a big fear there, but the, the big fear is what happens if you bring, when you bring 19,000 people together in a building, it just takes, you know, if you have one or two infected people, let it spreads all over the place. Well, and that's the fear. Right. And if you go just to make this hockey specific, uh, and it, why there's nothing, this is nothing to scoff at. I mean, remember that the NHL had the damnedest time getting rid of the mumps. Yeah. That got yeah. to be a problem in yeah, multiple the, venues. Yeah. The blues had a problem with that. Yeah. And people found out just how in locker room settings, training room settings, um, and so forth, how, how hard it is to, to, mm-hmm. to get rid of a problem that can now pe- be passed along from team to team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I think there were three three teams in that mumps thing that really were kind of the epicenter of it, mm-hmm. but then it spread out, and there were people within the Blues organization. Um, though in that case, it was weird because if um, American players, or North American players, were generally okay, but it was the it was European players who got they hit had hardest been because exposed, yeah. yeah, because they had not or the, the vaccines they had gotten had not been right. sufficient when they were younger. Was there a patient X where they could find one guy? I don't know. That Probably from Sweden. Because you can blame it all on the Swedes, typically. When in doubt, so Don uh, Cherry. Yeah, I don't know if it was Minnesota's room where they where they thought it, yeah. uh, it where it took off. From. Well, a lot of Nordic people up there. Yeah. yeah so there you go. <laughs> we just blame it on them. A lot of Svens. So you know this is, but you look at where the team is. No, we circle back to where the team is right now, and this is uh, broadly speaking, the team's in a good place. And the issue we're obviously far more concerned about this welfare of people in this country, and as we worry about mm-hmm. the virus. We have, we have to think of it somewhat in sports terms. Mm-hmm. And it would be, un- if we're thinking about it just selfishly in sports terms, it would be unfortunate to see less hockey or have less access to hockey at a time when you have a really good team. Yeah. Because this is still, despite a few glitches here and there, really an exceptional hockey team. It is. It is. They are, you know, when they are playing their best and they play their best a lot, this is a good team. This is as good a team as there is in the league. I mean, you know, they're, they're not this big high scoring uh, operation, but you know, they, when they get going on the, on the four check and, and get in there grinding and they cycle the puck around and have extended possession time, they're a really good team. And they've got defensemen who get forward into the attack and, and score goals. And, you know, they, they wear teams down and they win games and, and they do that as well as almost anyone in the league. I'll go back to one play that just sort of underscores where um, 
why this team is exciting for fans not only right now but also going forward the uh you know robert thomas who's been you know i mean he's having your typical even second year uh you know um, adversity because you're just still adapting to this level but he boy he makes us the sweet pass under some duress you know gets it through and the immediate check to set up Pareko, but he not only just finds him but he's he just lays the pass out there where Pareko could just walk into it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he senses the play, anticipates the play, he gets the pass through the guy who's attempting to contain him, and he puts it in the perfect place where a lot of passes you you see are, are almost right on the money or close mm-hmm. and just off. But boy, you know, when you make plays like that, where you read the play and you make the pass, that was like almost like a Craig Janney pass. Craig had that knack for just laying that puck out for shooters like Hall. Mm-hmm. In that case, I mean, that was just if you're if you're a Blues fan. Robert Thomas, Colin Pareko, two guys that are still pretty much exciting you Go looking forward. You know, we always talk about, you know, Pareko and you should have more one-timers in the team in general should have more one-timers. There's two components of a one-timer, and the other is the pass. Yeah. And you have to have – you have to put the puck in the right place. And a lot of times if you don't get the one-timer, it's because the pass is just not where it needs to be. And so, yeah, you see Thomas make that play, and that's something, you know – when the blues really get going and when they're able to take those, cause they got guys who can take one timers if they get, are in the situation and you need to put the puck in the right place for it. So, yeah, but uh, Robert Thomas continues to, to do things like that and say, well, he's, he's a pretty good player. And by the way, that is still one more reason why this team could be, if we see a playoff and this team is healthy and we get to the playoffs and things unfold as they normally would, we get past the, our current health crisis mm-hmm. You know, one more reason why this team's better. I mean, it was a um, a mystery a, a year ago how a team could be uh, so adverse to uh, to that particular uh, weapon, mm-hmm. and yet now, and then now they've, they've got first they got into the uh, the one timers, and then they discovered the wraparound. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have set an NHL record. Uh, it only goes back seven years that they've kept, or ten years that they've kept track. But yes. Seven reference. They had a few more chances over the weekend when it looked like they were going to add another one. When they uh, made the play, they, uh, you know, it's it, Dimitri Yashkin for years was our, uh, you know, he and Mar- Magnus Piarvi, kind of the heroes yeah. of the wraparound, right? And Though they very seldom scored on them. I think no, they, but they, they still a piece. On yeah, them. but they, uh, you know, it was their thing. And it was. <laughs> it was what they did. I don't <laughs> think there's this movement to the wraparound is going to inspire them to offer a PTO to Magnus to come back. No, probably not. But because I think they've, they've 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 experienced all there was to experience. With that, but. yeah, I think Magnus is in the is in the KHL now and uh, and, and making go. But you know, um, on that bigger rink, is it easier to score a wraparound? I don't know. I, 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 mean, don't, I don't. Is know. it harder because you're uh, coming from more away, farther, farther over. away? I, I I don't know. I'll have to look at KHL uh, wraparound <laughs> stats. You know, we're talking about Robert Thomas uh, and talking about Tarasenko. You know, the the return of Tarasenko when it, whenever that happens, you know, likely puts him on the on the Shen Schwartz line. Again, and which is probably for the playoffs going to drop Robert Thomas down to the third line. He had been moving, he had been on the second line, but now they're going to have their top six um, Sanford, O'Reilly, Perron, Schwartz, and Tarasenko. And so now all of a sudden you've got a really good uh, third line center uh, there in Robert Thomas. Well, here's what I would do. Of course, there are, people are always looking for my advice there. That, uh, <laughs> Over there at uh, 14th and, and Clark. But Greg Ruby has your, has your. Yeah, yeah, but it just, why not just play? And again, I would do that. I, you, you play Thomas and Kairou together, but you're also th- keeping your 
Fourth line, is really your third line. You get to the playoffs because Ruby loves those guys. So you, you have that group. Reunite that line because it's so – So you put Steen back with Barbara Yeah, Shannon yeah. I mean, it's such a good line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just – because you can use them to counter and to create energy, but also to counter, to check. It's like a – it could be your first checking line some nights, depending on mm-hmm. your matchups. Um, and then just have the Thomas Cairo thing as uh, as sort of the changeup where you could pop them in there and imagine the damage you could if that is your fourth line in a sense theory. So Thomas, Cairo, and Bozak. Yeah, because you'd have to. This would be like a no kind of a you know. I think Thomas, crafty Bozak. Thomas has learned to be responsible. Cairo is still trying to figure it out. But you could just use them as a pure offensive line for offensive situations. Offensive mm-hmm. zone starts. Um, in you know just coming in after in a situation where. You're trying to generate. Maybe you roll them back in. If you've got some offensive momentum going, you roll them back. You roll them back a few times, depending on your needs. It would give you a whole mm-hmm. different look than your other group, your fourth line, which you can also use more frequently, depending on your need. If you're mm-hmm. up, if you're trying to if you're trying to turn a game with more hitting, or if you're trying to maintain mm-hmm. a lead, you lean on them harder. There's a lot of defensive zone mm-hmm. stops you use them. I mean, it's interesting. You would have potentially a lot for a bench coach to work with, mm-hmm. a lot more than usual. Yeah. I'm used to covering teams that had two things. They had a checking line and they had a scoring line. And there was nothing in between. The other guys were just filler. <laughs> the landing party from Star Trek on TV. They just, <laughs> a lot of red these shirts guys? there. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just out there. Yeah. Yeah, because in that scenario, Sammy Blay is out of the lineup. Well, yeah. And, you know, and he, of course, he's, Rube loves him. Mm-hmm. And when he's hitting, he's effective. But he would be fighting for a spot, I guess, on the fourth line or if somebody gets dinged up and you want to move him in. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, who do you set? I mean, you keep coming back to Cairo, but he is so talented. And you're going to need those young legs. And you're mm-hmm. going to need that speed. And you're going to need that that pop at times mm-hmm. when used correctly. If you've got all these guys back, you don't have to misuse them. You can, you know, and I yeah. don't think, I think when you put them on a fourth line with energy guys, I mean, or checking guys, that's kind of a misuse. Create a pure offensive line to spot in there. And, you know, you don't have to play them but 11 minutes a night or 10 minutes a night, but it could still be very effective, 10, 11 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably what they're going to end up doing. I mean, the other the other alternative is if they keep uh, Thomas Bozak and Steen together and have Kairou or Blay on that on the fourth line and that would, with Barbershev and Sunquist. Sure, and that would add you know Blay would add hitting to that group, and then Kairou, if he mm-hmm. can do the manage the assignments, which he's certainly working to to do, would give him some offensive ability where maybe he could score on the counterattack. Yeah. So I mean, that's interesting. I mean, these are things he can look at, and of course, during a game, he's going to shuffle those lines anyways, depending on his needs. Mm-hmm. So it does, he has more to work with by a fair measure, I think, than, than a year ago. Like like a yeah. second power play unit that could be better than the first one. And even without with Falk getting no power play time when he was, a, before that he was a number one PP guy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. They, 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 they do not lack for options and for available resources uh, on this team. They, they've, got the, they've got the personnel. They're not lacking. Uh, in talent. All right. So assuming that we have the rest of the season unfold on the ice anyways, with or without fans, uh, you look at the conference, Colorado has stuck it out. I guess McKinnon suffered a minor injury. They don't think it's going to be terribly long. They're trying to get Grubauer back to help uh, in goal. Uh, but they've hung in there. Dallas, on the other hand, has not. No, they have not. And so really you have two teams – uh, right now that are seemingly, um, you know, I, no offense to Vegas. I, I think you have two teams that are significantly better than the, yeah, than, it looks, than the rest. It looks that way. It looks like St. Louis and Chicago are the, or St. Louis and Colorado are the, uh, are, are your teams. And, and they're the, going to be not that long from being a virtual clinch for the playoffs. I mean, they're not, 
with the, maybe by the end of next week, you're going to be looking at the numbers and look at you know that last wild card spot. Look where the Blues are if they keep winning games. Yeah, I think 104 points right now is what you would need as of right now to for the and Blues. You, and to you know, and so you're what 92. Yeah. So you're creeping ever closer to where it was going to take mm-hmm. a lot. So really, you don't want you you would like to. You've talked about the pro and cons of avoiding, um, let's say, if you get the top seed, mm-hmm. there could be more travel than if you were to yeah. take the, the two seed and play Dallas. Yeah. And right now, Dallas is kind of in the tank. So Yeah. Right now, uh, that that matchup looks not bad. Though though the way the conference standards are sorting out, so those central, those fourth and fifth central teams are back into the wild card mm-hmm. picture. For a while, it looked like it was going to be – Five teams from the Pacific, but now those central teams, Minnesota and Nashville, are making a little bit of a play into that picture. Winnipeg too in that in that mix, but yeah, um, it'll be an interesting situation because you, um, I, I don't you know no matter the level of, of opponent, uh, boy, flying to Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver, places like that for a first round series back and forth. Oh. I, I did that with a Blues Vancouver series. It, it's I don't care if you're flying charter planes or going nonstop. It's it's just it's, it's you're in the plane for hours. You're just yeah. you know yeah. And and when you're coming back, if you're coming back after a night game, you're getting in at four o'clock in the morning, uh, or either that or you're staying over a day, and then the whole next day is is taken up with travel. So it's a uh, there's, there's there's no good options. Uh, when you start going west like that, and really, if you look at the the rest of the conference, there's so many mysteries. I mean, I like Vancouver, but they, they lose Brock Besser and then they lose Jacob Markstrom, and mm-hmm. it's not the same team. And you look at, gosh, I can't figure out Nashville, for instance. What? Mm-hmm. what there's really no good excuse for this. I mean, yeah. Philip Forsberg is he still is he alive? <laughs> I mean, what, what, and Ryan Johansson, some of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean. Victor Arvidsson got an assist last night because I picked him off the waiver wire and he got a got a helper for me, five shots on goal. But how does that happen? I mean, they've changed coaches. I mean, what else can you do? No, so they can't it, pl- keep blaming Kyle Turris for everything. Yeah, and and they're they're they've changed goalies effectively. And, yeah, and Soros uh, has done a nice job. And, but yeah. man, it's been it's been tough. Now they they caught Montreal, which was great. Mm-hmm. But I, I keep waiting for them to really flex. I mean, they've had a lot of low scoring games and. Mm-hmm. So, and then Winnipeg, you know, I mean, they've been through some things and, you know, Hellebuck's had to keep them in there by himself at times and uh, with their defensive core. And then you just keep going around and around. You look at these teams and it's like. Yeah. There's a lot of minuses there. There's yeah, a lot of, yeah. you know, they, they are, this is the, this is the argument against them. And there are a lot more arguments against them than for them uh, for a lot of those teams. Now, if it were, if there's a playoff. And if the note got up against Colorado, and if Colorado got healthier, get Ratnan and McKinnon and Cadre and these guys get they have a full allotment. I I still kind of like the Blues for their overall robust play, but I think with that team getting Cadre and and more depth, uh, and where they can get away and and spread their stuff a little bit, their skill a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that team's better prepared. You know, they're a little young on D still. McCarr's a kid, Gerard's kid. You know, Johnson's been around, but, you know, he's a guy I think you can force into mistakes. I kind of like the Blues if those are the two best teams in the in the conference. But, you know, then again, I mean, I got to give a – got to give Jared Bednar. I mean, this guy, I don't know, he was – looked like the dead coach walking yeah. early on in his tenure, and he has just been a miracle worker with those guys with all the injuries they've had. Yeah, it really looked like he was a guy that was going to be there like two years, and they'd say, okay, that, that idea didn't work. But, no, he is he – is, 
uh, turned them around with a team that had limitations. That you know mm-hmm. was a one line team for a long time, and was like, you know, what are we going to do with the other nine guys, the other nine forwards? And they have turned that into a good situation. Yeah, you go out and get a Donskoy, a Burkowski, you know, a Cadre. I mean, you really do change the look of your group without mm-hmm. sacrificing any of your your top young D either to the end you get it turns out you've got a pretty good backup goaltender behind Grubauer so you made the mm-hmm. right decision there so yeah last game of the regular season could be very interesting yeah. when the Blues play at uh, at Colorado and again you reminded us they've got the tiebreaker the they do yeah so that's they they need to but it's been amazing to watch the Central Division race where every time Colorado has had a chance to pull even they haven't done it. You know, the, the, when the Blues lose, Colorado has lost. When the Blues win, Colorado wins. They have been in lockstep uh, for a long time now, for over the last month since the Blues had their slump and everybody caught up. Um, they, Colorado just can't get that one win. Uh, but the Blues haven't been able to create extra length. It's still a two-point you know, lead with a game in hand. And we're coming up, uh, I think, March 25th is where the schedule's even out. And after that, they'll be game for game the rest of the way. All right, well, that's Tom Timmerman. I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Net Front Presence. A reminder that you can find all of our podcasts at uh, stltoday.com slash podcast. We've got a new podcast home. I really like uh, the way it uh, is playing out. If you, for some reason, you have you know people who have not kept up their subscriptions, let them know to go come back on, find us. Uh, we embed the uh, podcast into quite a few of our stories as well, so uh, let people know about it. Uh, senior executive producer Hillary Levin has come in the studio, which is our indicator that we are we need to wrap this thing up. Um, so, Tom, uh, you, you did not get your pastrami sandwich in, in the NYC. Uh, do you just go to a deli now to make up for it? Uh, it's actually an excellent right. idea. I may look into that. I should do that today. All right, all right. Well, that's that's Tom Timmerman. I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see you.